still a week to go till our next league game, so it's time for another international roundup show. We discussed the performance of Ellen White and Hayley Ladd as both battled in the England-Wales game at St Mary's, as well as mixed success for our youth teams away with the Lionesses. Welcome to episode 26 of Great Sense 68, the only dedicated Birmingham City Ladies podcast. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined as always by Chris Pugh. It's been a few weeks since we spoke, Chris. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, Craig. Yourself? Yeah, I've been not too bad. I've, I've had a, I've my first week off in about three months, so it's nice to just sit back oh, and nice. relax for a bit. Absolutely. Lots to catch up on then, and we begin with what seems like a lifetime ago now with Birmingham's 2-0 win over Sunderland. Goals from Ellen White and Rachel Williams sealed the win. The three points moved the Blues into third in the Women's Super League. Given what's happened back in January, losing 3-0 to the Lady Black Cats, this win goes to show how far we've come in the last few months, Chris. Yeah, it certainly does. And I think, looking back on how the season's gone, I think that defeat at Sunderland was um, was a real turning point, actually. You know, you, you look at the results after that, and, and we haven't really looked back since. So, um yeah, I think we weren't particularly exceptional during the game. Um, you know, we, we didn't show the star that we've shown in other games. You know, if you think of the the Liverpool game and the control we had in the Bristol game, which was just before that. It didn't feel as comfortable as that, but at the moment we're showing a ruthlessness, if you like, real cutting edge up front that that actually, even when we're not at our best, we're still a threat going forward and we're scoring goals and that... That's making a big a big impact on how the season's turned around. Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, it wasn't our best game, but we got the result, and that's the important bit. Uh, it was uh, one of the games I couldn't get to because I had a family meal, and I managed to get it on uh, Facebook Live and put it on the telly, so I got to show my family what Birmingham had been up to. But obviously, it wasn't the best game, but we got the win, as you say, and it was nice to watch it, and it was nice to see that the results keep coming in for Blues. Manager Mark Skinner made some changes for this one, which we expected given it was their third game in seven days. Emily Westwood got a rare start for Birmingham, which is always nice to see. How do you think she got on, Chris? Yeah, she was okay. Woody come in centre-half alongside Aoife, giving Keris a rest. Like you say, three games in seven days. It, after not playing for quite a while, it, it, it must have been... It must have been pretty tricky on, on the players. So, um, you know, it's nice for, of him to freshen it up a little bit, give a few players a, a chance to get in the team. And, and like you say, it, it didn't affect the result, which which is perfect when you, you make changes, you bring other players in and they still they still have an impact on keeping another clean sheet and another three points. Absolutely. Four clean sheets now in a row now for the Blues. Arsenal have a couple of games in hand over us who will likely leapfrog us back into third, but... We play them at the end of April, and after how close we came at Meadow Park on the opening day, the team will be up for getting the three points this time around. Yeah, definitely, and you know the Continental Cup win recently over Man City, Arsenal will be going into it with a lot of confidence as well, I'm sure. But as, as you say, very first game of the season, we were 2-1 up with, with about eight minutes to go, a, a dubious referee's decision, um, giving a penalty, and... We were unlucky not to come away with something from that. So, and and the way we've played at home, pretty much all season, and certainly of late, the way we've been playing, we shouldn't be fearing anybody. You know, we've beat Man City at home, and Chelsea come and come to ours and beat us, but certainly give a give our our, our all and 
and give our best shot. So yeah, I don't I don't see any reason why why Arsenal coming to us should strike fear into us nowhere. Now on to the international news, and England have qualified for the 2018 Under-17s European Championships after a 2-0 win over Norway. Goals from Man City's Jess Park and an own goal from Loita Fossum secured the Lionesses' place in Lithuania. Now, I'm not sure if you saw the game, Chris, but my word, what a goal from Jess Park. In the 52nd minute, Park picks the ball up about 30 yards out slightly at the angle, takes a touch and curls it into the far corner. The 16-year-old midfielder is highly rated, and you can see why when she comes up with goals like that. Yeah, I didn't see the game, but I saw the goal that you're mentioning. Exceptional strike, and must be a player full of confidence to try that. I think she's been in and around Man City's first-team squad uh, a couple of times this season in the Champions League as well. I think I think she was added to the added to the squad list for the Champions League, if I remember rightly, seeing that. So she's a player who Man City trust at such a young age you know you think of you think of the players they've got available to them to be willing to throw a 16 year old in into such big games which which everyone is for Man City it does show a lot of trust and a lot of faith in her probably got a big future ahead of her definitely also featured in England's crucial game against Norway was Birmingham City's very own Franz Stenson our goalkeeper who featured for the first team this season, started in goal for England and kept her third clean sheet of the qualification campaign. Given that she's only played three of the six matches, Chris, that's a remarkable achievement. She's quite literally cannot do any more. Well, she can't, exactly. You know, Every time she's played, they haven't conceded. So um, I think she pulled off a, a pretty good save, I heard from the reports as well early on in the game. So brilliant for Fran. Her and Hannah this season have been called upon at a young age and and neither of them let the club down if you like so fantastic for her and obviously you want you want as many players playing in big tournaments and and big games as possible all throughout the the youth ages so um yeah fantastic for Fran and hope she has a a good end to the season with Blues if she's if she gets involved learning from Anne but also when when they go off to the tournament in the summer as well. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, another Blues player who didn't feature in this game was Paris McKenzie, who was on the bench. She's another one coming through the ranks. And she, from what I can see on social media and stuff, she's a very person who's very dedicated to the training and she wants to learn more. She's very uh, inspired by the likes of um, boxing and stuff, from what I've seen. And you can see that she really wants to improve and become a top player for Blues in the future. Well, that's good, you know, and, and that's what you want to see from, from your younger players. You know, we. Mark spoke about it a number of times about how the opportunities for the younger players will be there if they want it and if and if they're determined enough to get there then then they will get their chances and and Paris is is someone that again has been you know in, in and around event development squads first team squads you know that names popped up here or there um you know and, and again if she was to play part for England in the summer, then then all the better for for her and Blues, and like you say, just keep going that determination to to keep improving, and uh, and I'm sure she'll she'll also be another one with a big future. Let's hope so, and I wish the best of luck to them if they hopefully get selected for the tournament, which takes place in May, so not so long now to wait for those involved. Where is that being held? It's in Lithuania, Chris, in Eastern Europe. The top two go through to the semi-finals from the group stage. The group stage has already been drawn and England will face Poland, Spain and Italy. Poland won three of their three games in qualification, scoring eight goals and conceding one. 
Spain are probably the hardest opposition in England's group. They have scored 12, conceding zero goals in their campaign so far. And Italy, they're a bit goal shy. They've only scored five goals in their first three games. So England will have a chance to probably get out of this group. Probably Spain might top the group, but England have a great chance of getting second. So best of luck to that team. The under-19s England side were also away for the European Championship qualifiers this past week. But sadly, it wasn't to be for them. Despite strong wins over Israel and Slovakia, the Lionesses lost their final game to Germany and as a result will miss the European Championships this year in Switzerland. It's not the result they would have liked, but they only lost 3-2 in the end. The likes of Connie Schofield and Shania Hales getting valuable experience on the international stage. Hales even got a first goal for England over the past week. Both have featured in cup games for the Senior Blues squad this season, Chris. What kind of players are they, and how far do you think they are from the senior squad? I've seen Connie a couple of times. Connie, when I've seen her, she's played midfield. I struggle to remember which team it was against earlier on in the season, but I think it was she played a big part in in a Continental Cup game. And as you say, Shania as well has has been in. She's a goal scorer. Got her first goal for England, like you say, in that group, the the qualification campaign. And and although although they lost to Germany in the end, you know, obviously they they were desperate to go through and and reach the reach the summer tournament it, it depends how you learn from it you know you, you you can learn from defeats as as well as victories and i think that hopefully that that group that under 19 group you know there's an under 20 group as well so all those players are are pretty close together hopefully as as a group when they all get older they'll they'll learn from defeats and they'll learn from victories and, and they'll become a better team and better players for it we certainly hope so also, special mention to Charlie Wellings as well, who went away with the under-20s England side for a friendly tournament this past week in Lamanga and got herself a goal against China. Now on to the senior internationals, and there is only one place to start, the Lad White Derby. England and Wales took place on Friday. Hayley Ladd started the game for Wales, with Ellen White starting this one on the bench. White eventually came on, of course, after 54 minutes, but it's Wales who held the ground and came away from St Mary's with a point. It's been quite the rise under manager Jane Ludlow for Wales. I remember being there at the Cardiff City Stadium back in 2014 to see England beat Wales 4-0 on that night. But Wales now looks solid. They have quality in their side and found a way to beat the lower-ranked teams consistently as well as compete with the higher-ranked teams like England. First of all, Chris, a word on the current Wales side. It wasn't pretty to watch, but do you know what? They came for a point and they got it. The effort they put in, the their organisation, um, their dogged determination that they were just not going to concede a goal, uh, what, whatever come what may, they were get, they were coming away with a clean sheet in that game, and you know they were they were a little bit unlucky. They they, they looked like it was. I've I've seen it so many times. I'm still not convinced it wasn't over the line that ball um, from from the corner early on. Um, but as a defensive display, five at the back, heading everything away, clearing clearances, blocks in. You know, and I have to say the the back three of Ingle, Hayley Ladd, and uh, Rihanna Roberts were were absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, like I said, that that determination, that grit, that actually. You know, whatever happens, we're coming away from here with at least a point. We are not conceding today, and those three were 
the absolute epitome of the Welsh spirit, um, and and they were fantastic on the night. Absolutely, and given that they, how much concentration you need to get that sort of performance from a team, and the fact that she didn't make a single substitution in that second half is remarkable, and that just shows how determined Wales were to hold on, and she didn't want to mess with a winning formula, and it proved to be the case. They got the points. As you say, the biggest talking point was perhaps that disallowed goal in the first half. Tasha Harding's shot was deflected past Carly Telford and Lucy Bronze cleared the ball off the line, or so it appeared. I must confess, as, as you were, I'm not 100% sure in real time if it was a goal, and the replays didn't really help either. No, the, the replays were terrible. Um, you know, you, you think you've got it on BBC Sport, BBC will be able to show it a, a picture on the line, surely, and we never got it, we never actually got that that clear, definitive picture. Um, one angle, you think, okay, yeah, she probably has cleared that. But then you see it from another angle, and I don't know, you know, at, at some at points, I'm absolutely convinced it's gone over at some angles. But yeah, it's a, it was a really tricky one. And unless you're going to give give the women the the sufficient technology that the men have got, you know, all, all it would we don't need VAR or anything. All it would have needed was the goal line technology that that men's football has. It's being played at St Mary's, which is a Premier League ground, which has goal line technology capabilities at that ground. Like I say, <laughs> unless you've got that, you got you're, there's a chance you're going to be having these questions. But um, yeah, you, like, I just want to go back to your point about, about the fitness as well uh, of the Welsh team. You know, like you say, no changes during the 90 minutes. And for after about half an hour, I thought Kaylee Green looked absolutely dead on her feet. Bless her. You know, she ran herself ragged and, and she was still going at the very last minute as well. So 1-11, to 11, they were absolutely brilliant on the night and deserve, fully deserved their point. On to Laura O'Sullivan now. England had 22 shots in the game. It's remarkable that a keeper playing amateur football puts in a display of this level against a top five side in the world. It's stuff dreams are made of and she was also named player of the match too. She left Yeovil Town a week before the start of the season and went to join Welsh Premier side Kincoyed which is near Cardiff. It's somewhere I've uh, covered for University Sport in the past. Uh, I've heard a lot about the brilliance of Megan Walsh in goal for Yeovil this season, how the scorelines would have been much worse not for her, but I'm surprised a team like Yeovil could let a player of O'Sullivan's quality go. If you've seen the Women in Red documentary on BBC iPlayer, which I urge you to watch if you haven't yet, the BBC went behind the scenes with the Welsh squad ahead of the England game and got a bit of a flavour for just how they got their recent success. Uh, Not surprisingly, there are some great stories from players in there, and it might be a tad mundane, but O'Sullivan still works in an office alongside her football duties. Maybe her performance against England could change that. After seeing her play this past weekend, Chris, do you think she'll be picked up again in the the WSO ahead of the next season? I think teams will definitely look at her. Um, Nothing wrong with working in an office, by the way, Craig. (laughs) But yeah, I think... I think definitely teams will will look at that performance, you know, and everything she did was was very good, you know. She was commanding from set pieces and crosses, you know, um, and like I said, her shot stopping was was out, outrageous at times. That one from Nobbs, an absolutely brilliant side to tip that onto the bar. The one from Ellen White, Ellen's volley, and she tipped it round the post. So she performed superbly on the day, and it, it was one of them. Everything was going for her, whatever whatever we threw at her, she was. She was behind and she was going to stop. I think certainly teams will look at that performance and, and see a keeper there that they could definitely try and pull back into the women's game in England. She got a nice message from Neville Southall, the most capped Welsh player, after that performance. So she's obviously 
um, got a few eyes on the game from that perspective. She's obviously impressed a lot of people in the men's game as well as the women's game. And David Hasselhoff as well, was it? I did. I did see that. That was remarkable. Yeah. I think he does live in Wales now. I don't know. I don't know why, but I think. I think. I think his wife is in from Wales or something like that. Okay. His girlfriend is right. something like that. But it's it's a weird. It, yeah. it was weird to see on Twitter. Absolutely. Of all the people, I thought when she was walking out at the St Mary's, I think the the last person she would have expected recognition from a couple of days later would have been David Hasselhoff. But there you go. That's life sometimes, I guess. Um, it is. <laughs> moving on to the Bosnian-Herzegovina game now. England eventually won this one 2-0. Goals from Tony Duggan and Jody Taylor. The BBC had some technical difficulties when the picture went for those of us who were able to watch the game on Tuesday afternoon. But from what we saw, you could argue the message was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment on the England performance. I don't think I've seen them give the ball away so much in a very long time. A lot of long, lobbed passes into Ellen White, who had no hope of getting on the end of them. And then there was the slow, lethargic passes from side to side that often went astray. The main issue I had with this uh, was the tempo. If you play against a team who can shut up shop like Bosnia have uh, tried to do, the first thing you need to do is try and move them out of position to try and create the space and create chances. By the time England moved the ball across the back line from left to right or right to left, the defence had shuffled back uh, back across and closed the space. What did you think, Chris? I, I couldn't have put it better myself, Craig. You know, without wanting to sound like a, a, a miserable old so-and-so, it was. It was really bleak. The centre-halves were, like you say, they were taking their time, playing it out wide, and the full-backs didn't seem to be getting forward very much, especially in the first half. It, it was a back four, and... I mean, I can't remember a time Bosnia had two people within 30 yards of our goal. So, um, I mean, the need for four for four defenders was was probably not there. The need for two central midfielders in Jade and Jordan. Now, I, I rate Jade and Jordan very highly, actually, as 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 it is, you know. And if if you were playing a a World Cup game against a really good team. I think my midfield two probably would be Jaden Jordan, but actually, in a game like that, I don't think they were needed. Both of them were needed. Um, Jordan wasn't high enough at the pitch at all. She wasn't. She wasn't getting on the ball within thirty yards of their goal. And like you say, our method seems to be try and hit it over the top. Use the centre halves to hit it over the top to. To, to a front three and, and and it was just it was awful the distribution was was really really poor you know we got our goal in the second half and, and and obviously from that point the result was never in danger but I think it is a worry we've give Wales a hell of a lot of credit for the way they played um, but actually scoring two goals over the over the campaign is not good enough I don't think and our, our attacking intent and our attacking threat and the way we get forward is certainly something we're going to have to look at because if we play like that against anyone anyone with a, with a, with a shred of a ability and attacking intent, we, we might be in trouble. Yeah, I, th- I think BBC was saying that uh, Russia had come to Bosnia in the last week and won 6-1, so it just puts yeah, into perspective. Yeah, 6-1 it was, yeah. Mm. It was it was just weird that they they play Ellen White up front, who's known for being able to run onto passes, but they were they were lobbing the ball so like just softly. It wasn't it was never going to go over the top for her to chase onto. It was it, she had to like come back in to get to the ball, and it was just if you're going to play Ellen, don't... and Bosnia was so deep that if you're going to play balls over the top of that defence, it's got to be bouncing within the twelve yard box, and you can't stop it dead then. 
especially on the you know it was a basically a training pitch so it's 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 not going to stop dead for you it, it really wasn't the way to go and it's disappointing that they maintained it they kept trying it you know it's it clearly wasn't working. Bosnia defending 20 yards out and you're trying to play balls over the top to Ellen and, and Tony and Mel. And uh, it was just asking so much, far too much of them. And I felt sorry for the front three, especially in the first half, because they were deprived of the ball, deprived of any ability to actually get on the ball and try and do something and, and make something happen. Yeah, from a technical aspect, England need to improve on that performance. And I think they will because they've got time now till the next game could have started with the, the discussion with this Chris but obviously we, we can talk about the referee which uh, which I know she didn't have the best of games mm. but I don't think she was the reason England didn't play as well as they should have done but two red cards both for second yellow cards the first one was for Liverpool's Alex Greenwood booked in the first half of a descent and then I thought at least was walking on a bit of thin ice when she clapped the decision after that and then the ref the referee's back was turned she was then dismissed in the second half for simulation uh, then Bosnia's captain, Amira Spatic, was sent off 12 minutes later. What did you think of both sending offs? To be fair, Spatic had probably the fifth or sixth foul that she'd made, the second yellow card. So, um, you know, that might just have been a culmination. You know, she was on a yellow card and, and Beth Mead, who had come on, and I thought looked pretty lively, actually, one of the bright sparks of the game. It had to be a yellow card. She's Beth's gone past her and she's just pulled her down on the edge of the area. So... That had to be a, ye- a second yellow, um, but Ale- Alex is, is you know the first one is for is for descent, like you say, and then and then she gets a little bit fortunate keep keeping the descent going, and the referee didn't do anything about it. But I mean the second yellow card, it's it's not a dive. It's it might be a penalty, it might not be. It's one of them. If it's given, you you understand why. You can understand why she didn't give it as well. It was a it was a bit of a tricky one, um, but it's certainly not a dive and and. So she shouldn't have been sent off, but I agree. It's it's a bit of a smokescreen over the over the poor performance. I think um, to to comment on the referee, but it's not a surprise to people within the women's game. We, we we've seen the the poor level of officiating that not only international but some WSL matches have as well is something that definitely needs to be improved over the whole of women's football not just not just England but internationals as well as, as as was displayed on Tuesday afternoon I think Alex cut herself a little bit unlucky to get sent off especially with the second yellow but yeah a, a, again it shouldn't overshadow what was a, a poor performance by England I think there was talk of them trying to overturn it but you can't overturn two yellow cards and I don't, I, no, I, I don't think, and so, I think no. Phil Neville should know that as someone who's played football for so many years but Mm. Well, we'll we'll leave that there. Uh, England went ahead then from a superb cross from former Blues player Mel Lawley was turned in by Tony Duggan. Lawley and was one of the bright sparks in that those two games and come uh, as no surprise to any Blues fan that that have seen her play in recent years. Uh, England doubled their lead later on from the spot. Beth Mead was brought down before Jodie Taylor stepped up and scored the penalty. Mead, who came on for her first two appearances for England this past week, I thought, as you said, had a good few games. She wants to take it to the opposition, and when she first picked the ball up on the right, it made me think of that goal she scored recently against Chelsea. Her first caps for England are long overdue, and would you agree she's done enough to warrant a place in the squad for the Russia game in June? I think so. Um, Jodie Taylor started against Wales and, and come on against Bosnia. She scored the penalty, but I, I think... Really, her overall game is it is it good enough? I've maintained for 
for a number of years now that Jodie's the best finisher I've seen in women's football, you know, watching Blues and England. But you've got the likes of of Ellen banging in goals, playing playing in the number nine role. Um, Beth has come, you know, scored goals, playing out wide and up front for Arsenal and Sunderland o- over the years. So I think, I think certainly she's you know, within the next eighteen months or so. Beth's going to be a, a, a regular every England squad. I think the, the Wales game as well. She she looked lively. Um, you know, she tried to get on the ball and. And, and tried a few things, but certainly the Bosnia game, she she come on for Mel, which which was a little bit unfortunate for Mel actually, because she she just got it was probably her only chance to to take her to take the left back on, um, and she's beat her and and put a really good cross in for the goal, and then she gets taken off straight away. So, um, but yeah, I think Beth is, is is definitely someone who who Phil Neville will be looking at for for for, for many squads to come, definitely. A final thought on that game, Chris. Obviously, Ellen White, we haven't talked too much about her, but I don't think she really got the service in the games. And despite a few snapshots in the few games, she didn't really get much into either game uh, compared to what she has done for Birmingham this season, of course. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, she's the focal point of Blues. Um, you know, she's she's the out-and-out number nine and and she brings everybody else into play. It's, it's a bit different with England, obviously. You know, Neville's trying to trying to play a different way it seems um but you know she, she when she come on against Wales she she livened it up she she tried to get the team going she tried to get the tempo up she probably had one of the best saves from from O'Sullivan with that volley um which, which was tipped round the post and um you know she's always she's always causing problems for defenders you know we always making runs even even if there's a 10% chance that she's going to get her head or foot on it She's always trying to do it, and and it causes defenders problems. The first goal against Bosnia, Duggan's goal. It was a brilliant cross from Mel, but actually, Ellen's dragged her defender dragged her defender away by making that front post run. It's gone over her, and obviously Duggan scored. But I felt desperately sorry for for her, Duggan, and and Lawley in the first half against Bosnia because, like you say, the, the the service they were being provided was dreadful. So thankfully, she, you know, she's come back. Hopefully, without any without any injuries, hasn't played 180 minutes either. So you know she'll be she'll be fresh, hopefully, and ready to come back for the Oval game. You mentioned the Oval game, and that's where we're going to end today's show. We're going to preview that game, which is taking place next Wednesday. The Oval came close to scoring their first league goal of the season against Reading last time out. Nicola Cousins striking the bar from 35 yards out. We've kept four clean sheets in our last four games. Yeovil are yet to score a goal. Playing midweek can sometimes throw players off, but nonetheless, our defence should have another solid defensive performance, Chris. I think so. It's almost the law of football that a team with four straight clean sheets and a team that are desperate to score a goal, and that team will probably go and score. That seems to be the way with football, but honestly, you look at it rationally and uh, and you can't see Yeovil scoring against this defence. Um, you know, we're... We're a side playing with a, a lot of confidence, attacking ability and defensive strength as well. Um, you would you would think, and and we, we've got to go into it with the belief that it, it should be, uh, and it will be another three points and another clean sheet, hopefully. The fab front four of Emma Follis, Charlie Wellings, Ellen White and Rachel Williams have featured a lot this season. Do you expect them to play against Yeovil or would Will Mark look to give his fringe players a game? No, I, I think I expect them to play... It, 
he'll play his best team, I think, and and over the last month or so, that that has been the best team. Um, you know, like you said, that that front four has uh, have linked up really well, and and they're getting an understanding together that that you hope will will progress not just for this season, for, but for seasons to come. And um, yeah, I, I would expect that to be the that to be the front four. Yeah, and Hayley to come back in in the middle alongside, alongside one other. Um, but yeah, I think I think he goes back. He goes back to to his best team. I think. Um, yeah, they haven't played in a in a week and a bit. So um, yeah, that would be that would be what I would do anyway. Mark has spoken a lot about players having to earn their place in his team and not wanting to rotate for the sake of it. But we will wait, have to wait and see who starts on Wednesday. Prediction time, Chris, then, and it was a 3-0 win for Birmingham the last time these sides met in January. What do you think will happen this time around? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something similar. Um, I will go for a 2-0 away win. 2-0 Chris has gone for. I think this is a prime time to give his full squad a run out, so I'm going to say it will be a 3-0 win, with someone who hasn't scored this season getting one of the three. Oh, And that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Chris for joining me. You can find him on Twitter at A-W-C-A-I-B. And you can find me at Craig Hadley, that's with a double E at the end. And it's also thanks to Jazar for allowing us to use his song No Control in our intro and outro music. You've been listening to the Great Since 68 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can receive the show every single week as soon as it comes out. Just search for Great Since 68 on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any other podcast platform you may use. If you prefer to listen through SoundCloud, be sure to give us a follow on there so you can get notified every single week when the episode is out. You can also follow the show on Twitter at GreatSince68. Thanks for listening, everyone, and remember, keep right on. 